there's always a FinReg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of season three of There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, the managing editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined virtually, as always, by a pair of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. Welcome both. Hello. Hi there. It's been been forever. Our, uh, our last podcast was before the summer in a very kind of recording May and go away kind of move. Um, <laughs> how have you both been, Virginia? Good summer. Not too bad. I haven't had a, hadn't have not had a, a holiday yet, and I can't even speak at this point. So that's obviously <laughs> telling that I need I need a holiday at some point soon. But uh, yes, it's been a bit hectic. I would say uh, lots of lots of interesting, exciting things going on. Which is That's good. terrible for the build-up of, uh, of conference season. Um, <laughs> there's going to be uh, enough travel to, to add to that uh, that busyness. And Sean, I see. Uh, I'm sure I've seen on social media a few beaches uh, on your account. So uh, been away. Yeah, no, uh, had a had a great summer. Spent a good chunk of it uh, lounging by the beach, which you know I highly recommend to anybody who's looking to to unwind. So no, it was good. Um, and we had a in a nice change of pace, nice weather, almost hot weather in Ireland for a while there too, which was surprising and pleasant. So now it was a good summer and uh, I pulled a, similar to the European regulators, sort of just said it's the summertime, let's uh, unplug from the reg world for a few weeks and then come back come back to it in the fall. <laughs> yeah, see, so you say unplugging, but there's certainly been no shortage of, uh, of goings on in the in the regulatory world. So given it's been a, a few months since we last caught up, uh, let, let's dive into it. And I thought maybe we could separate this geographically so Sean if we start uh in the in the US what's been going on I mean I've seen Gary Gensler's face in uh so many articles this summer I you know I can't even keep count of what's going on but um what's what's uh, been the top of their agenda yeah I mean almost everything to be honest no the SEC is sort of having its uh a joke it's it's European moment at the moment and it's sort of for, for those of you out there you know who can remember 10 years ago when the uh, European FinReg was just a sort of a full-on um, assault and the regulatory tsunami word phrase was coined. Uh, that's sort of what's going on in the U.S. And the SEC has been pumping out uh, consultations and everything from market structure, um, money market fund reform. Um, if you name it, they're, they're coming on at the moment. Um, and that's sort of, I think there's up to 30-something open regulatory initiatives at the moment that's keeping everyone on their toes. So yeah, it's been a busy, busy summer over there for sure. That, that That's a lot. And, um, but yeah, specifically, <laughs> we're not gonna get into 30 or, or 40, how many there are, but, um, you know, things like ESG and, and digital assets come to mind, um, on, on digital assets. So we, we kind of move him towards some regulation in the future or where, where are we at with that? Yeah, I think I think on the U.S. side we're getting there. There's been there has and will continue to be um, a bit of a turf war between the CFTC and SEC over who was actually the primary uh, regulator of sort of if you, of crypto and digital assets, if you will. Um, my favorite solution, as we discuss almost every time we're on, uh, is you just merge the two, you get rid of that problem. But that's unlikely to happen. Um, but actually, we've seen the at least when it comes to stable coins, which I think is the easiest piece of crypto to regulate. Um, there, there are a number of prominent bills out there and proposals that are coming close to fruition that will at least regulate stable coins. Um, and interestingly, puts the Fed as the primary regulator as opposed to either the CFT and SEC, which 
is sort of an interesting punt on who's who should be the key regulator for crypto. But I think we'll, so I think we will see stablecoin regulation come in in the not too di- distant future. ESG is a little dicier. Obviously, Gensler's proposed something not a million miles off from the disclosure regime um, under SFDR. Um, but ESG has is having its sort of lightning rod moment in the US and it's a highly sort of politicized topic at the moment. So I, there's a lot more pushback on that. So it'll be interesting to see where that that lands. But certainly there have been very prominent members of the US uh, Congress who sort of criticized the SEC for its overreach on ESG. And then notwithstanding sort of industry-wide, there's sort of a rethink because ESG is sort of a brand that's sort of run away with itself a little bit and gotten away from the the idea of sort of socially responsible investing. So there's sort of a, a general ESG rethink as well, which you see in Europe as they try to tackle the deficiencies of SFDR as well. There's everything you need to know about the CFTC and SEC never merging was the fact that the Ag Committee and the Banking Committee had competing sessions with one with Gensler and one with Benham at exactly the same time the other right. week, right? So that kind of that kind of showed to me how how that they you know they're still pitting each other against each other even in terms of time frames for goodness sake. But um, so I, I ended up watching the Gensler one and I, I missed what happened with Benham, but I had to ask people afterwards. But uh, certainly, I think Benham got an easier time from his committee than uh, Gensler seemed to from the banking committee. He was he was grilled for I don't know how many hours it was. Yeah. You, you watched it as well, right, Sean? I, I tuned in and out. It was a long, it was a lot of viewing, but yeah, like it was on for several hours. Like, so it was, but I think the SEC, the CFTC generally gets an easier time from the Ag Committee because it has a smaller scope of regulatory responsibilities, to be honest, and less um, evocative programs as opposed to the SEC, but definitely Gensler was in for a, a tough, a tough ride for sure. Yeah, and the, and the questions were really broad ranging as well. I mean, some were bizarre as usual, but um, I, I'd say like the, the the theme was generally you know anti ESG um, cropped up, and it was it was two days in front of different committees, and <clears throat> I think it was anti ESG sentiment was was very prevalent amongst the the politicians. There was also a lot of discussion about um, crypto assets and whether the SEC was the right regulator, as they keep asking this. Um, they didn't talk about the Fed much at all, actually, on that front. But uh, one of the interesting things that I, that cropped up was that that Lummis Gillibrand, um, or however, however you say her name, um, uh, bill isn't likely to get approved until next year because they're going to actually reissue it after chatting to some of the regulators. They're going to update the, the, the bill and probably, I think they said was January or February, they're going to have a, a new version of it out. Um, which will be interesting to see how much it gets updated from feedback from regulators and industry bodies and things like that. Yeah, and Virginia, to, um, to plug an article you wrote for, for Global Custodian, I liked your angle of ESG might not last, but E, S and G certainly aren't going anywhere given, uh, given what's going on in the world. Yes, yes. I mean, it's interesting looking at, so I did a count recently. Um, I actually talked about this at um, InvestOps uh, earlier this week, but um, there are 592 E, S or G related regulations in play at the moment in 96 countries. And there are about 80 odd um, on their, on the, in the process of being sort of drafted or uh, in the proposal stage. So that's a hell of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> My God. 
Um, and they're all, you know, slightly different. Um, well, not slightly different, but they are quite different in each of the countries, um, notwithstanding of something that's sort of supranational like um, SFDR. But uh, certainly a lot of them are very, you know, different things related to disclosure and a lot of things related to climate risk and all of this kind of stuff. So and, and those things are just I mean, just look at what's going on with um is it Hurricane Ian, which is the weirdest mm. name for a hurricane known <laughs> that I've heard so far? But I mean, certainly the the magnitude of that, the drought we've had, the heat, the the hot, the heated island that is uncharacteristic, um, that meant we had uh, you know sort of droughts in in uh, all all parts of the world, fires, all of these things um, point to the fact we've got climate risk as part. You know, it has to be factored mm. in even if people don't um, maybe necessarily recognise it's related to, to climate change. But I think that's that's just something that you, you cannot ignore and it's going to have to be part of regulation to make sure that we, have, we are factoring these risks into everything in, in the future. So um, the E is definitely still there. The S, I mean, in terms of social um, change and things like, you know, diversity statistics and things like that, everybody's focusing on that. So those two things are just a factor of life now right because we've started disclosing them we can't stop um, and neither should we right. and then governance has always been part of the industry so i don't ever see that yeah. going away um, particularly within the asset management community right that's my two pennies worth on it anyway <laughs> yeah yeah no i agree i mean i think the challenge esg is i mean it's it always it, always amuse me the ESG is like seven or eight years old as a concept like it's not because it sort of became a rebrand in some way of uh socially responsible SRI socially responsible investing so it's sort of just been in some ways it's kind of like the old BRICS acronym where it bundles together a bunch of related things but they're also independent things and it's sort of hard to regulate them all as one issue but I think I totally agree that and I think most asset managers would agree that they need to consider the E and climate change into their, how it impacts their investments. Um, so that will continue. And investors want, some investors and increasingly more of them want to consider these environmental factors in their investing. So it's not going to go away. It's just sort of, I suppose the difference of regulating to prevent greenwashing. So sort of an investor protection standpoint or regulating in a way that Europe's sort of trying to do, which is to encourage actual more green sustainable investing and those are two different policy goals and i think that's part of the challenge uh, and virginia you're um you're doing a session at cybos in a couple of weeks on on esg and you know regarding capital markets and you've got some custodians on there what are the what are the custodians going kind to of saying about you know, how they're what what they're doing or you know, how they're helping their clients with this I mean, a lot of it's related to the inconsistency um, around data and analytics for ESG. Right? I think that's one area that everyone needs help. And, and certainly asset managers are crying out for some consistency or at least some transparency in where, you know, data is coming from and, you know, help in, in sort of putting it together to, to make um you know, either work with thematic or impact investing or uh, on the ES or G front. Um and also to try and build it into the way that they assess risk as well. So I think that's where custodians are trying to support their clients on that front. They're also doing a lot of stuff internally themselves. So um, a fair number of them have, you know, aggressive policies about, um, you know, assessing their own vendors and their the people that they, their partners that they work with 
on characteristics related to you know um, sustainability so um, you have to disclose you know how sustainable you are to to any of them that you're working with uh, myself as a research firm included <laughs> so I've seen it firsthand and it, it, you know it's it's sort of an interesting dynamic to see going forward and and for instance, as well, asset managers are finding this too. So um, a number of the asset managers that were supposed to fly in um, for the conference I was, I was speaking at actually couldn't do it because they didn't have the carbon credits left um, from, from doing too many client trips in the month. So it's actually impacting the way that they, you know, they, they operate on a day-to-day basis. So ESG is not sort of a th- a, just a thematic um, investment yeah. strategy. It's also embedded in, in policies internally. Which is, uh, is is really uh, really nice to see to some degree. It is. God, that's one of the most twenty twenty two statements I've, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we covered a lot of US, and I've certainly got a few market structure European um, related topics to talk about. But in terms of the kind of regulatory scene in Europe, um, you know, what's what else has been updated? What else has come out in, in the last few months that, that, you, that you've seen? Um, I mean, there's a fair amount of dis- I mean, obviously, we had the summer where everyone went on holiday, but it was a bit, it was a little bit quieter. Didn't mm-hmm. seem like all of ESMA went on holiday because um, they were updating Q&A documents and things like that in the background. Um, as as with everything, we're getting the the cycle of of, you know, the directive and regulation reviews. So there's been a massive amount around MIFID that's come out over the last few weeks. So we've seen loads of, of um, reviews around that um, and updates for that side of things. Um, we're also getting into, I, I know we've got the, the next cycle of AF, MD and USITs coming up. Um, I'm sure yeah. Sean's been looking at that as well, but that's certainly on, on for the rounds. And then we've also got the slew of um, new regulations and, and another one that's sort of progressing um, albeit relatively slowly, but uh, it's it's plodding along, is uh, Dora the Explorer. So we've certainly had uh, a fair amount of discussion at the EU level on operational resilience and updates around that because of the increase in cyber attacks post-Russia, um, uh, well, not post-Russia, to do with Russia um, and uh, the Ukraine crisis. So we're certainly seeing uh, a fair amount of, um, of, of uh, focus on that and trying to make sure that um, there's much more activity around that. And actually, interestingly, um, we'll flip back to the US here quickly, but I noticed um, today that uh, one fi- one firm was yesterday fined by the CFTC for failings around cybersecurity. So they're certainly uh, taking it very seriously as well. So mm-hmm. there's this whole focus on cyber that's just going to continue on and on as, as uh, innovation continues within that, that cyber criminal crowd. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... Well, you know, a few rules came in over the summer, you know, the MIFID um, sort of sustainability um, pre-checks around fund sales. And obviously our favorite UMR, Wave 6, uh, came in uh, earlier this month. But it is really, I think, setting up the table for that AFD and use of review. Um, and I totally agree that DORA, when it does come, I, I think... Everyone's aware of it. And everyone talks about it, and you go to conferences, and it, but it's only talked to about sort of obliquely, um, and not, I don't give a full understanding. That's like the to me, and I've had to even prove it wrong for once about the EU's reach, but that this is sort of the next GDPR method in terms of how it's going to affect firms on a global basis. It just seems to be setting up the next uh, sort of big global impact from an EU regulatory standpoint. Whenever we do get it, because it is sort of plodding along, to be sure. 
to be fair. An, an interesting um, anecdote from some of the compliance people I've been talking to um, on, on the, uh, the Dora front is that they've started trying to increase the questions that they're asking of their providers. And the only ones that seem to not be playing ball is the larger cloud providers. <laughs> and they're, they're struggling <laughs> to get the requisite information from some of those providers. I will not name names, but um, certainly that, that has been a point of frustration because the power dynamic between a smaller asset manager or a smaller uh, custodian and a large um, cloud provider is, is di- you know, well, not what they're used to. So um, they can't right. dictate what, what information the provider provides to them because they're not a strategically important client, sadly. But uh, certainly that's something that I think regulators will listen to quite closely and put pressure on the cloud providers themselves, I believe. 100%, yeah, totally agree. That's yeah. my prediction. <laughs> And yeah, I was at the yeah, Virginia. You said you were at InvestOps this week. There was the AFME um, you know, post trade conference uh, this this week as well, and they just put out a report on trying to get yeah the continent getting conversations going on the move to T plus one in in Europe. And that was something that a few months ago, people yeah, no one really wanted to entertain uh, in, in Europe. And I had a chat with someone, and we kind of concluded that. Is it kind of a luxury of there's actually not that much regulatory work going on in the security services world at the moment that means that they're putting something like T plus one on the table? I almost feel like that's a luxury of time that they they can start talking about it because it's, it's not something the industry is really pushing for. It seems to be a kind of a grudging acceptance that it's inevitable. What, what are your thoughts on T plus one in Europe? From my perspective, I mean, from the people I've been talking to, um, they are certainly worried enough about CSDR at the moment to not want to think about T plus one, right? Um, I'd say that's, uh, we're going to have some more clarity around the fines and stuff for Mesmer, aren't we? Um, And the poor performance, they keep, I mean, there's there's been lots of allusions made to it over the last um, few TRV um, updates. Um, from from ESMA that they're not very happy with the amount of settlement efficiency that's happened or resulted from the implementation of CSDR. So I think we've got more problems than we can solve first round T plus two than moving to T plus one. Um, I know that there's a lot, there, there are a number of uh, gung-ho markets that would love to move quicker than, than others, like Switzerland being one. Um, I think that that might be something on the table there, but I, I don't think EU-wide we have that ability at the moment. And I'm not sure that this, it's been a quiet period for regulation. It's, I mean, it's certainly not as frenetic as it is in the US. But... Yeah, I think it's relative to the US and yeah. to the last 10 years. That, that, in yeah. Quiet way. yeah, Relativity there. But yeah. I, yeah, I certainly, I, yeah, I, I just don't think T plus one is something that will move too quickly here. And I, I think it will be delayed in the US as well. Still, And we've already had a delay, right? So we're, yeah. we're, I think the industry is still asking for clarity on what the date will be. Well, um, the, apparently they're not going to get clarity till the start of next year, mm-hmm. whereas the regulators want it at the start of 2024, don't they? And then yeah. the industry wants it Q3 2024. But if you only hear about it next year, I mean, it's not it's not a long lead time, is it? Uh, and there's a lot to get operationally ready. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be something easy as well. I mean, I think the last one I've de- I don't say it's easy, but it was easier than than this one because obviously we've got more um, batch cycles being squashed into one day. Um, possibly if people aren't going to move and update their technology, which they probably won't have enough time to do in certain areas. Yeah. Um, within you know a, a six 
to 12 month um, time frame, depending on, on when you have to move or, you know, the selection process takes a long time anyway. So um, I think it'll, it'll slip without a doubt. And, and I think Europe, I think within the next 10 year, years, Europe will be moving the same direction, but I think it's going to be to later than, rather than sooner. I don't know if Sean agrees. Yeah, no, I could like, I mean, I always, my look at uh, T plus one, as I think I've talked about this before is, I mean, the SEC or US kind of got pushed into it by the whole Robin Hood affair. Um, I, we could argue they drew the wrong conclusions. Um, and I, I would argue that. But I don't think there's the same institutional push here. I know I saw AFME stir the pot the other week about sort of trying to prod the EU, but I don't think the EU will go after the U.S. does. So I think they will absolutely wait to see how the U.S. program goes and as long and then start to look at making a move. So I totally think maybe by the close of the decade we'll be harmonized at T plus one, but there is no real T plus two is still dicey enough, to be honest, in Europe. I don't think that there's any real push to accelerate it. Yeah. So what do you reckon though? Virginia said 10 years there. I'm going to hold it to that. You can't change your prediction now. What, Sean, what do you reckon? I think, I want to say by 2030. So what is that? Eight years? I'm taking the under basically. Yeah, season season 10 of this this show. will. Uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> Virginia, you mentioned CSDR and at the risk of sparking like a whole other episode. It, it's a real mess, isn't it? And it's, it's a mess that's costing a lot of money as well. I mean, we've had reporting regulations not going to plan plenty in the past, but they're not quite as costly as this is being. I mean, some of the, the numbers being thrown around for the, for the penalties people are getting um, and the issue with kind of credits in reverse is, is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, well, I've, I was listening to a lot of asset managers moaning about having to make tiny little, dealing with tiny little payments that they're having to send back and forth for each of the, <laughs> each of, I mean, it's just a practical nightmare for in terms yeah. of implementation, right? I think it's just, and they, they didn't really speak to, and they, they were raised their hands and said, well, we didn't, raised this problem just before the regulation went into play. Yeah. We, they weren't engaged as engaged as they could have been about the concerns that they had. Um, and it sort of there was a sort of mere culpa um, when I was listening to them talking about it in the round table. But I'd say they are now very irritated by the amount of um, work for not very much gain from their perspective or any gain for them, from their perspective to, to, to deal with these piddling little payments um, yeah. for, for settlement fails and things that, like that nature across their, their counterparts and things like that. So I'd, I'd say it's irritating people more than it's, it's causing them to change their practices yeah. at the moment. Well, look, we've, we've covered a lot of things and, uh, and Virginia, we're both going to be at Cyboss next week and, and the, the conversation is very much around some of the things we've discussed already. It is T plus one, it's CSDR, it is digital assets. And uh, I wonder how many years now that, that in the future that those topics are going to be <laughs> continuing in conversations because they're all things that are, that are relevant but are going to take a few years to kind of come to fruition, aren't they? It's true. I mean, and... We've also been going through crypto winter during our summer, right? So um, I don't know whether uh, the industry will remain as gung-ho about digital assets going forward. I mean, they don't seem to have slowed down in the custodian universe, despite the, despite the chilly conditions than within the retail <laughs> and, and institutional se segments. But um, I hear tell of, of institutional interest in, in, uh, outside of hedge funds in, in crypto, but I, I wonder mm. what they're smoking because, I mean, obviously it's been a, a bad time for the markets. So there's been a fair amount of, uh, 
I guess, regulatory activity and enforcement on that topic. So I, I'm really interested to see what people sort of respond to on that front um, during Cybos and beyond. Yeah, I think that it's an interesting, the whole digital asset thing, I think is fascinating because it is, I mean, oh, the Cybos, you know, we were, I mean, we were all at Cybos eight, 10 years ago and they were still, they were talking about digital assets almost then as well. So it's sort of, it's been a constant topic of conversation, but it, I do feel like there has been ins- more institutional investors um, interested recently. I, I wondered if digital asset a while back was like blockchain where look, everyone's just going to put out a press release, throw a little bit of money at it to be seen to be doing something. But where I think it's different is some of the people that the custodians have put at the helm of these units are some of their best people. And that's where I think it, yeah, it shows how seriously they're taking it. I think so. But when, when you've got such um, chilly conditions in the market, you just wonder whether the market will come back again. Um, and with such sort of a, a negative view from some of the regulators, whether that will kill it. But I mean, I don't think digital assets will, will die in, in its entirety. Don't get me wrong. But I, I wonder whether the crypto side of things will be will be less favorably uh, viewed by institutional investors going going forward. Um, not that they're massively into it at the moment. I, I would debate that there's that much interest, but uh, outside of hedge funds. But I, I, that's where I, I see so it, it may shift to other types of digital assets as they evolve. Um, although we are going to be waiting a hell of a long time before we see a CBDC, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I yeah. give that zero, zero attention, i got to admit. <laughs> I'd much <laughs> that's the that's the appropriate amount of time, honestly. Yeah. But I think the um, I think John, to your point, I think digital ad, separating digital assets from crypto is sort of like separating blockchain from, you know, Bitcoin originally or crypto. I think there will be more continued interest in digital assets, sort of loosely defined, as opposed to crypto coins specifically. And I think if you look at the custodians, like they're in kind of a tough spot because they like it's not easy to do and they can't afford to wait. Yeah. If institutions start moving quickly, you know, you can't be caught flat footed. So they do have to sort of invest in these the sort of digital custody programs, hope that they can replicate it across more traditional the technology a little bit across traditional custody platforms. Um, but they can't they can't just sort of wait and see or else you'll get caught if there is a surge in interest. So I think they're in sort of a, a tough position, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're right. And we're, we're kind of writing a feature over here at GC that about that this was the time to do it because they couldn't have gone any earlier, but they also can't wait, wait any longer. So, um, right. yeah, it, it makes sense. Well, it's been great to catch up and I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about uh, on the next episode as well as, as, as things continue to develop. As Like you say, everyone's back from holiday. It does feel like everyone had uh, three months off with the, uh, the out of offices and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, busy airports. So, it's been uh, it's been great to, to catch up on on all things um, regulation on both both sides of the Atlantic. Ginny, where can uh, people find your work and, and what else you got coming up? In, in uh, as always, it's uh, www.fintechfirebrand.com, um, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Virginia O'Shea or at Fintech Fire. And well, at the moment, I'm working on a piece on the future of ESG. Um, and including regulation and also uh, a big piece on buy side trends going forward as well. So exciting stuff. <laughs> Always. And Sean, where can we find your work? Yeah, people are welcome to uh, follow my musings over on the uh, the, the Twitter at uh, my handles at SMTuffy. Um, and you can see my latest ramblings on both FinReg and 
why uh, a hot dog is not a sandwich and other very important subjects. <laughs> the, the, the hills you're willing to die on, hot dog's not a sandwich. Yeah, that is the hill I will die on, actually. <laughs> Something like that. Excellent. Well, it'll be great chatting, and uh, thanks to you, the, the audience, for listening, and uh, do get in touch with any feedback you might have on the show. Until next time. You were listening to There's Always a Film Reg Angle podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from.